First off, I'm Dave, I'm with Holly, and you are listening to the What Difference Does It Make podcast. Hey, Dave. What is happening? I do not know. You do I not know. know. I do. <laughs> I do know. Maybe a month or so ago, you mentioned, actually, probably longer, you mentioned that you had a friend who was a drummer, and she's in this ACDC tribute band. Like, oh, that's cool. Maybe we should, uh, maybe one day we'll get her on the, on the podcast. And then I don't know what happened, but it came to pass that you happened to say, oh, yeah, she was, uh, she used to be in the Pandoras. And then I went, what? The Pandoras? Because in uh, the mid-80s, that was like right in my wheelhouse. I loved that whole Paisley Park scene or Paisley, <laughs> Paisley Underground scene. And um, I was listening to Rodney. And, uh, of course, uh, it, I kind of became a fan of theirs. And so now, now you mentioned what? Who? Who do we have now? What's going on here? We've got them. I'm glad you were. Thank you for that. I'm glad you were were stalking my Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> so we have three of the Pandoras. We have Sherry Weinstein, who was the drummer. We have Karen Bassett, who was. I think you, you were the bass bassist, but you also played drums, didn't you? I played drums. Yeah, from '84 to '87, and then Sherry took over after that. Yeah, yeah, and we have <laughs> Melanie Melanie Vammen, who was a keyboardist from from the Pandoras, and also other other bands. They've all played in other bands, but we will get to that. So we're thrilled to have you. On um, what difference does it make? Thank you guys. Yes, welcome nice to be here. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for coming. This is and great. Sherry's here. <laughs> yeah, you guys already talked about Sherry first. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say hi yet, though. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I should say this is the first time we've we've interviewed multiple people at once, and doing this through Zoom is going to be a little weird. If you have something to say, raise your hand, and we'll uh, we'll recognize you. <laughs> no, not necessarily. They've played in a band together. I'm sure they know how to, you know, like like we do. We try not to talk over each other, right? Okay. We always talk over each other. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we do. We're famous for that. <laughs> well, then. I have heard some of those interviews because I, I was listening. Actually, I, I started getting nightmares because I heard you um, <laughs> uh, interview. You were on a you were on a, um, San, some college radio station in San Jose. I think Sherry's kind of like the the documentarian of all things Pandora, and she posted a, a number of things. And one of them was an interview with uh, with this kid in college, and everyone's talking over each other, and this poor kid's trying to control this situation. I guess you kind of got got a feel of what was going on, uh, you know, with the Pandoras on the road and what it was like to be on. Where you, how'd you travel from place to place? Did you have the Pandora van, or was it a bus, or what? What, what was your mode of transportation? So let me start by saying there were different eras of the band. I was in the band. This is Sherry speaking from '87 to '90. So I can only speak for my era of the band. Um, we toured in a. Anything from a van to a motorhome um, that was nicknamed Moho. Um, Karen's era, uh, she can speak for that of their, from their tours. Melanie was in all eras, well, most eras. <laughs> we should do. We should, do we, should, we should set that first. I should. I. I should have done that already. Sherry, you were in the. You were the later part of the eighties, eighty-seven to ninety, right? Yes. Correct. Yeah. Melanie, you were. You were fur you were you were early on. What year? Me, me and Karen joined in uh, nineteen eighty four, and then um, I was 
in the band until basically the end in the 90s. And then um, in the reformed Pandora's as well until, you know. Okay, so when we say... You, for, you joined the band. the The leader of this band is Paula Pierce, or was. Um, and so, how did you meet Paula initially? Uh, so I met Paula. I knew her around the music scene when I was in high school. I joined the Pandoras when I was in high school, and um, Karen I met at the same time because Paula was doing a changeover with new members right when that first album came out. Basically, we joined like the eve of that release. And um, that's how I met Karen, because she tried her out for drums, and me, she knew me around the scene and asked me to try out for keyboards. I met Melanie at, our, at her audition at the uh, Pandora's in a garage in Whittier, where we were uh, rehearsing. And yeah. um, we had Julie and myself, and, and then Melanie joined, and that was the band for like a year. Prior to that, ten, was- ten months. It was that version of the band until Kim joined. Ten months. And prior to that was was the very original lineup was the with Paula and the the, the band who recorded the Pink album, which they they broke up when that that album came out. They just fell apart, and Paula reformed the band. And I got a phone call. I was in another band, and I was playing at Madame Wong's East. And I actually got fired in the parking lot from that band. But the bass player in the band I was in, she said, hey, my buddy, uh, my, my brother, her, she, she, her brother was Chuck Wagon from the, um, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Chuck Wagon, right? Of from, course. Yeah. Explain Chuck Wagon to us. Well, I, I mean, I didn't know him. I knew his brother because, uh, because I was in a band with her. She was a bass player, Pat Davis. And, uh, and she knew from her brother that Paula was looking for a whole new lineup. And so she gave me Paula's number in the parking lot that night. And, and I called Paula and then she, uh, met, I met up with her at her apartment in Hollywood and gave me a copy of the record and uh, also made a, a mixtape for me. I think she had a mixtape already of all this. I still have it somewhere, but a mixtape of like the influences that she had. And she says, do this and see if, you know. And I was actually looking to join as a guitar player, but she's like, I play guitar, but if, you know, and I had played drums before, but I, I broke my collarbone surfing and I, I was still kind of recovering from that. And I couldn't really play drums at the time, but she's like, Oh, see if you can do it. And, you know, and I started practicing the songs, learning all this stuff. And I was like, I really dig this stuff. And I had heard them on Rocky's show. And so I already knew, that, you know, that they were a band and they were getting played around locally on the radio and stuff like that. So I already was familiar with the music and, and liked it, but uh, I wasn't familiar with influences, which is what was great about getting that mixtape from Paula. I really got a, a, a feel for all that stuff because that, that wasn't part of my, my DNA was the whole, uh, the whole, you know, garage punk 60s thing. I, I wasn't part of my musical knowledge at the time. It is a big part of it now because of the Pandora's, but prior to that, I was like into Duran Duran and Billy Idol and <laughs> the Go-Go's and, and the Bangles were, you know, were just starting to happen and stuff. So those were all my big influences at the time. Anyway, enough about me. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, actually, I, actually, I am curious about the firing. What, what happened there? What was the band? And uh, kind of elaborate on what. Uh, I'll, I'll ans- I'm going to answer that. Wait, wait, okay. wait. Which firing? The firing of the band that, that led to me getting into the Pandora's? Yeah, let's let's talk about yeah. Uh, and I'm going to answer that. Okay, 
Wait, I'll raise my. What firing are you talking about? How many, time, how many firings do we have? All right, Melanie, go ahead. Let's get Okay, let's, he's talking about when we joined the band. Go ahead. Oh, the so fire, early firing. The first line of firing. The first line of firing. Uh, there yeah. was, okay, okay, so the, basically the Pandora's formed in 1983. Uh, they played their first show in about February of 1983. And like I said, I knew Paula from around the 60s garage scene. And um, periodically through that time, as Paula would come up to me, she would get mad at them and ask me if I knew how to play an instrument. And um, things were, she wasn't happy and some of them weren't happy. And they ha- had already had a switch over about uh, six months previous to, to Karen and I joining Bambi. The ba- she had joined playing bass instead of uh, De- uh, Debbie Mendoza. Um, Mende or what, how, whatever, however you say it. That, that's who formed the band Paula and, and Debbie. And um, so then Bambi had joined and Paula wasn't very happy about it. They'd be playing shows live and, and stuff would happen. Her amp would break. She just, you could tell she was miserable. I used to go to all the shows. And that's when she would come up to me and ask me, like, do you know how to play an instrument? So basically Bambi quit the band this is like right, right around the time, you know, and I can't speak completely for her, but the knowledge that I know of that, she wasn't happy what, 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 with what was going on. So she quit. And then um, Paula wanted to get a different keyboard player. That's where she brought me in to try out. And Casey was thinking about if she was going to quit or not. And so Karen had actually tried out, but Casey was still around trying to decide what to do so then like there was like kind of like a a switch over thing and then bam then karen julie and me came into the picture so that that's basically what happened what i have a question this is sherry for melanie what was the year that gwen smashed the bottle on paula's head 1984 uh all right well now maybe 85 all right, now you have to tell that story. Because we got to get. I'm not going to tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we got to get a sense of who Paula is. Cause, uh, okay, so pa- Paula, Paula uh, started playing music when she was 14 years old. She played accordion, and Kim Fowley told her, hey, you need to start a band. And Kim Fowley, so she- of course, famously, is <laughs> he, he started up the Runaways, and correct? Absolutely. Okay. And Paula just loved the Runaways. It okay. was like her favorite band. And, and so Kim Fowley said, you know, you need to start a band. So Paula went out. She bought a, a Fender Mustang bass. And she started a band called The Rage with Don Williams. And that's kind of, that's where Paula got her start. And she was really young in the scene. And, and she started doing that. And then she uh, started the direct hits, who then turned into the Action Now. And then um, and then started the Pandoras. So that's that's like where hers, but she was always a part of the, the punk scene and the garage scene early on. Any instrument, I mean, besides accordion, did she ever play any other instruments? Well, she played accordion and then she started playing bass. Then she played guitar. She could play anything really. She, she, she was good at, you know, um, I don't know so much about drums, but, but as far as like guitar, bass, harmonica, all that. Piano. She could play piano too. Yeah. Yeah. So I just said, yeah. 
I, I, I actually believe she played um, on the version of Haunted Beach Party on that first album. I believe that's Paula playing it. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Playing bass? I, be- I believe that is. That is what I always understood from her. And that was one of the first songs I learned when I tried out. So that was my understanding. Did she play the keyboard? On the Haunted Beach Party, yes. Did she already have the songs? Like when you were recording something, did she? Did she have everything fully formed or an idea in her head or did she allow collaboration? Like you could bring in something. How did the, how did songs get formed with, uh, within the band? Uh, so Paula was the, the singer, the songwriter and the band leader. And that was made known to all of us. Um, she would have a song. She wrote all the songs. She'd bring it in, but she would let us elaborate on coming up with our parts our style, our thing. So basically she would bring it in. And I think that both of them can agree to that. Here's the song. She'd play us like a four track demo of it. And then we would kind of just do our thing and go with it. Yeah. She would have, I mean, drum wise in my era, at least she would have specific ideas or she'd say like, Oh, like certain songs. Like I remember when um, she brought in close behind and I did the tom tom, the 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 where the floor tom part in the the kind of pre-chorus thing. She's like, yeah, yeah, do that. It's like cheap trick. It's like the cheap trick part. <laughs> she would let us kind of elaborate our parts, just like you said, Melanie. I mean, but she'd have certain parts. She'd have specific things. Yeah, drum wise, she'd even like she could even go like do this, like boom, boom, ba, boom, boom. She'd kind of sing it and let you elaborate. She, but she definitely had a vision in her head. Now that was that was my experience too. Is is on certain songs she really had a definite idea, and she would just air drum it. You know, like on "You Don't Satisfy," it's 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 not a typical drum beat. It's 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 all snares. Da 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 ba ba. She was very specific about certain things. Other things she would just kind of let us do. You know, throw our own style into it. But there were certain songs that she had sort of uh, arranged in her head already, and she would give us each ideas of what she had in certain spots, but then we would run with that and do our own thing. So it was, it was a collaboration, but she did have a pretty good idea of what she wanted the song to sound like overall. Uh, Often because, you know, it's really well known that she, she uh, liked to, I don't want to say steal, but I guess uh, copy other songs in, in a lot of ways, but make them her own. It was kind of a thing she did. Um, I mean, she she had the ability to write really great songs. I, I'm not sure why why so many songs were so derivative. Um, I think she thought that maybe people wouldn't be familiar with those songs that that she she borrowed from uh, because it was sort of that underground sort of punk thing that wasn't mainstream. But I mean, a lot of people have called her out on that over the years. Of you know, this song sounds like this, and that song sounds like that. I didn't know they were they were kind of ripped off because, like I said earlier, that wasn't really in my DNA. All that stuff I learned all this stuff after the fact that certain songs were, you know, lifted gently from other songs. But um, you know, I mean, people loved us. It was it was all very um, cool, and and we had that sound. We copied that sound, and some of the songs were derivative, but we did make them our own uh, enough to. People know our songs for us. That's that's pretty cool. I love that about it. I think it's yeah. not not being a musician myself. I think it would be hard not to. I mean, it, it, it's it's when you're influenced by a sound or an artist in particular, 
how do you not, you know, emulate it in some way? I know you're talking about direct song, you know, ripping off songs directly, but I think it's hard when you're, when you're influenced, you're, you're influenced. And I think it kind of, it would always come out in your music. Oh yeah. And even the biggest artists definitely cop to, you know, having the kinks or, uh, or the Rolling Stones or, or whoever, uh, as, as a major influence. And you hear it in their music. You really do. You hear even the riffs almost note for note in certain songs uh, by famous artists who copy famous artists and they put it into, and, and, and they, and they don't mind the, the famous artist doesn't mind the other famous artists kind of lifting this and that they're like honored. It's, it's interesting. How that yeah, isn't it the sincerest form of, of uh, praise, right? What do you, what do you call sincerest it? Sincerest form of flattery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did Paula- here's, here's one thing I'm going to say. Unfortunately for Paula, Paula, well, fortunately, Paula was an amazing uh, pop garage songwriter. She wrote amazing pop songs. The thing with her, though, she she would kind of go with the trend of music, but she was always kind of she was ahead of her time with the whole pop and garage '60s thing. Had she stuck in that? But then she jumped on the rock bandwagon and she was always behind it. That wasn't really her thing. You know, uh, had she stuck to writing those pop garage songs, I think she still would have been like way ahead of her time. Yeah, I agree. She she switched often with who her boyfriend was and the thing that she was in, like the music and the scene that she was into at the time. And it was always like after the garage thing, it was always behind. A hundred percent. Was that? You know, and, and, and that's sad because I, I, I feel had she stuck, you know, uh, her songs could have been much more successful. Do you think that was a confidence yep. thing with her or is it, um, was she driven? She wanted to find, to make the band rise to the next level. It's like, okay, this is what's happening now. This yes. is what we have to do. That is what she thought. Absolutely. She, she, oh, that was, that was, uh, that's exactly how she thought. And she thought she needed to do this. And this was the trend. This was the Hollywood, you know, like when she got into all the, the, the portions that I didn't like that I was actually involved in until pretty much the end, but definitely not me and not my, my scene or my musical uh, likes or anything like that. And because she, she wanted to be big. She wanted, she thought that was, you know, going to get her there. And, that, uh, and she was she was very stubborn, very stubborn. Yeah. I mean, when it was that stuff, I remember saying, like, talking to her and saying, you know, K-Rock is our niche. Like, that's who's playing us. And she was And, and, so and we did have stubborn. some success with K-Rock. Absolutely. Like, well, Rodney, from the beginning with Karen and I, he was, like, our number one supporter to this day. Rodney... He's incredible. And he's played every band I've ever been in. He's amazing. I love him. And he played Pandora's, Pandora's, Pandora's. And then uh, through the years, you know, we, we were on K-Rock. We were on various different shows on K-Rock and hosted shows. And we had uh, different songs. I, st- I think Stop Pretending probably was in a regular rotation on K-Rock. And I know in Sherry's era. era uh, behind. Close, behind. Close, close behind was. That was like in a big heavy rotation. So, you know, we did have K-Rock songs, rotation. It's very stuff. Uh, yeah. Seems like a good time to take a break. Yes, this is a good time. Um, we're having a lot of fun here. It's kind of fun balancing uh, three musicians and uh, during an interview through Zoom. But uh, we're doing well. We'll take a break. We'll be right back.
Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. We're back with the Pandoras, Sherry, Melanie, and Karen. Yeah. How did you how did you end up connecting with him to begin with, with Rodney? Uh, oh, Rodney well, finds you. Holly knew Rodney. Holly <laughs> knew Rodney since she was a little kid, since she was about 14 years old. And it was just a whole part of the, like the whole, you know, the music scene. That's where everybody, that's like we all knew each other from the music scene. But I, I was a lot younger than Paula. Um, so I wasn't there for any of that stuff, but that's where she met Rodney and the punk scene, I guess. And yeah, you know, and he Rodney was always ahead of his time and, and finding all this cool new um, music to present to the world. And that's what happened. Everybody ended up developing a relationship with him. Yeah, um, I met Rodney. I met Rodney when I was 16 because my friend um, drove like we went to the old K-Rock building and. She drove her, her single that she made. And I remember I sat on his lap and he played the single. Like I was like a little kid. And then we'd Ooh. go visit him at Denny's. On, on Sunset Strip. Yeah. So I knew, yeah. so like I knew Rodney in a different way. So when I auditioned for the Pandoras, I had already seen the Pandoras many times with Karen's, Karen's era, Karen and Melanie's era. I never saw the first lineup, but I saw, I saw the Julie Patchouli era before Kim and then I saw the Kim era many times. I even saw there was a drummer briefly in the band before me after Karen was that whole story of Karen being fired or Karen quitting, whatever happened. Um, and uh, then I was next thing you know, I auditioned and I was in the band <laughs> and I had already seen them multiple times. All right. So when you, was, I know we're, sorry, go ahead, Dan. I know we're jumping oh, around. No, that, that's quite all right. I mean, I guess we should talk about the look of the Pandora's. I don't know if it was like 60s thrift store look or how you would describe it. What was uh, what was the shopping spree like? Or what, how did you pick out clothes to wear for for your shows? 
what what was the process and what was this Paula's vision or was it or was it up to each individual to to kind of pick out their own style I'll go first I was the Johnny Bravo that was like part of me I was like in the 60s garage scene so that came easily to me that was that was my whole style and my whole everything about me so I just wore what I wore and through the years I I made most of my clothes and uh, I would just come up with ideas we'd have parties all of us, Karen was there, Sherry, through the different eras. I personally would make up different design ideas and stuff and make these clothes. But we would all do Apollo do it. Kim did it a lot with me. There's tons of pictures of me and Kim with outfits that we made. But we would all go shopping together, too. Oh my God, we'd have, like, the greatest shopping sprees. And I remember going to accessory stores. And Karen probably remembers that. Do you remember those, those accessory stores, like, where you could get, like, all the the bangles bracelets. Remember all those noisy rubber yeah. things? And we'd go, I'm sure you were at some of those stores too. Like we'd just go buy like all the junk jewelry all the time and fun, like accessory type of shopping stuff. <laughs> Was this on Melrose? Did you go or what, what, uh, any, any place that, uh, that you, you I, I, I can remember, you know, I don't really remember so much, uh, thrift stores with with Paula then but like through the years with both Karen and Sherry there were like stores out Paula lived out in Chino I can remember Chino you know what are all the secondhand stores like what are all those ones we used to go to in San Francisco Sherry oh and hate hate Ashbury Street I mean I feel like we were always in like secondhand oh yeah Aardvarks Aardvarks was huge for us probably Karen Sherry me Kim Everybody, that was that was Jet Rag. Jet Rag, jet was, rag. Uh, jet rag came a little later. That's more like when we came from us, but uh, that was like the 90s. yeah, that was more 90s. Yeah, Melrose had cool stuff. Hey, every time we go to San Francisco, we'd always go to the thrift stores and look for stuff, but then I kind of remember the thrift stores starting to smell like some of them. <laughs> oh, and in San Jose, San Jose, oh, yeah, and in Canada, and Melanie would always buy a lampshade on tour. I, 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 remember. I, I would always buy a lampshade or a lamp. <laughs> <laughs> like a classic, like an old, old school. Yes. I'd come home. I'd come home with a lampshade on the plane or, or like in the motor home or uh, like when I was on trains, I bought, I remember going to uh, in Ohio, this, this cool place and I came home with two Elvis lamps. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still make your clothes? No, but I did, uh, Back then, like, um, the more I'm thinking about it, we made all those outfits, like, stop pretending. Those were all put together stuff we would, like, sew up and for the most part. And my my era, we had, um, didn't we get stuff from, like, lip service? Drew from lip service? And then that oh, lady, yeah. Ter- Terry, yeah. Terry, some lady named Terry well, made Karen, us clothes. Karen was there for that. Karen got a lot. We had a clothes designer. Oh. But I got something that I wore in the video that, I remember we'd call her, we'd say, dress, dress, dress. Like we'd call some woman named Terry because she had her clothes. Is that possible? Terry that King. <laughs> Karen, that's Karen's with us. And she made some clothes, but still I made most all mine. I still have my clothes in my closet to my left. Oh. <laughs> you ever break them out? Oh. I gave mine to a thrift store, unfortunately. Oh. Uh, I probably gave mine to a cleaning lady. <laughs> <laughs> My outfit, my outfit from the Rundown Love Battery video. Someone made that for sure. Yes, oh, I, I made the mine. Sure, your style That's was it. pretty rocking. 
so I was in the rock era. <laughs> you know, I whatever it was. What? Okay, so you, you... I remember when I auditioned, I asked if I had to dress in a '60s costume, and everyone costume. was like, "No, <laughs> no, we don't dress like that anymore." It was more like everybody had longer hair and like hair extensions. Do you remember what you wore? You mentioned Rundown Love Battery. You played that at, on the Arsenio Hall show, right? Was that you? Yeah, that was me. What did you pick? What did you choose to wear for that? What was it? I'd have to watch. I'd have to watch you it. You have to watch I, it. Okay. I probably. I probably wore. That's right. There, I probably. Th- that was hilarious because I do remember there. You had so much like, smoke going on. They had no idea where the band was initially. On that, <laughs> in that video, it was crazy. Yeah. So, well, they we had a there was like a makeup and a hair person, but I remember specifically Kim Shattuck would not let them do her makeup or hair. Melanie didn't do it. They didn't do mine either. Right, and you guys look good in it. And Paula's hair looks like little Bo Peep. Paula looked like little Bo Peep, and I they they like teased my hair and made a very high hair and like the color choices that they chose for me ew <laughs> <laughs> even then you thought and ew? i remember <laughs> yeah i remember God, what did i wear in that oh i remember i had on these like arm things <laughs> i don't know probably uh, wore the same shit from the top from the rundown web battery video the professional video that we made in, in orange county at a garage did you find that one dave Oh, I don't know. I don't think I saw that. I remember I just saw the RC. There's lots one. of good video. There's lots of good videos. I've I uploaded when we, when the fan page started and before we we um, reformed. I had uploaded all sorts of video footage, interviews from like all different eras. I I was like on a kick for a while doing that. Oh, there's great stuff. There's on also there. there's yeah. there's really good stuff on there, but I haven't uploaded anything for a while. Right. I want to talk about the reforming, but I also want to talk about Kim. I want yeah. you guys to yeah, you, talk a little bit about Kim. Yeah, you've, you keep talking about Kim Shattuck. Um, yes. Please, who wants to, to tell us a little bit about Kim? Uh, okay, so Kim came into the band. She joined the band in 1985 when we were looking for um, a new bass player. And I met her in a store in Orange Circle. I was with Roy McDonald. And from Red Cross initially yeah yeah at the time he was in the things okay and i knew her boyfriend he was in a band called the fad and we were shopping around and i I hadn't really even thought about it because we didn't really know kim i had seen her around the clubs a little bit and um so we just had small talk and and then kim i said oh we're looking for a bass player but that was it so we ended up in another store and then um because kim's like to her boyfriend why don't you tell them that, that i play bass and he's like, but you don't play bass. <laughs> and and so we, we, Roy and I ended up in the next store and he said, oh, she, she plays bass. I'm like, oh, really? And so I got her number and I came back and I told Paula and Karen. And so Paula's like, call her up. And I called her up and she came to my house. We used to rehearse up in my bedroom a lot. And Karen would sleep over there. It was in Orange County. And, and uh, so Kim came over to my house and, and the... Paula, me, Karen, and Kim, we all played some songs together, and, and we really liked her a lot. We liked her attitude, her style, and, and she was a lot of fun. And the thing was, we had this other girl that was filling in for a couple months, and so we had to figure out what to do, basically to get her to leave. 
and uh, she wasn't <laughs> she wasn't really right for the band, and it, it felt a little weird to us. And so we told Kim, we want you in the band, but we just have to like wait it out here. And so Kim actually that night, Kim and I went out, and Kim and I became best friends instantly. It was mm-hmm. like that night. That was that was it. And um, but Kim came <laughs> to a show of ours at Madame Wong's West with this other girl and watched us stood in the audience. And then what was her name? What was her name? Other girl? Gail. She's oh, right. on Facebook. She's on Facebook. Right, right, Gail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And uh, so anyway, she did quit. And Kim, that was it. Kim Kim joined. And then it was uh, Paula, me, Karen, and Kim. And we Wasn't Kim, the Gail pregnant or something? Well, we found that out all these years later on the fan page, fan page that Gail was pregnant at the time that she was in our band. And we didn't know it. Oh. <laughs> It was like so weird. And there is, I have a picture of her playing live with us at, at the lingerie. But anyway, so Kim joined and then the four of us made stop pretending. Wow. You said she didn't know how to play bass or, or the boyfriend said she didn't know how to play bass. Kim, Kim played guitar. She, no, that was the first that she picked up a bass. <laughs> but Kim, Kim was, Kim was a, a natural musician. She had a great ear for harmonies. Once Kim joined the band, the whole harmony part of the band took it to another level because she had such a great ear for harmonies mm-hmm. and for singing. I had been doing most of the harmony stuff and then and then Kim joined the band and then when we went into the recording studio it's like she just nailed the part so well. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, she took it to a whole nother level. And you know Kim Absolutely. played key- Kim was a she played keyboard and piano growing up. She sang with her family growing up. So she really was a, a natural sort of musician and so she just took to the bass like like she'd always been playing it and she was just a perfect fit. You know, she had the, the right look going on and, and she had all the same influences that Paul and Melanie had music wise. Uh, she had her own thing going on too, but um, she just fit right in. It was just a perfect fit. And Kim was great. Kim was a great, great pal to hang out with. We hung out a lot outside of the band and just, you know, hanging out, doing crazy stuff, going to cemeteries, things like that late at night. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we had a lot of fun. It was a, it was a good, Good time. It's one of my favorite times of my sort of like becoming an adult was that band and these girls. Oh my God. Hell yeah, it was. It's like we were babies. We were like teenagers. And I was a naive, believe it or not, naive little girl. And boy, did I learn a lot. (laughs) (laughs) When did I I get corrupted? I, I I refer to that time as I didn't go to college. I went I went into the Pandoras, and those were my sorority sisters. Were were these these girls? Yeah, and, and I I would I, I I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. I, you know, I mean, look at how we are today. We're still friends, absolutely, and, and we're still even bandmates. Yep. So uh, we are. We're all we're family. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was the same in my era too. Kim was. Kim, we always said we were band sisters. Like, I felt like I can't even express <laughs> going on tour and all the fun memories. And then when we reformed, it was like Karen and I were instantly like that as well when we first reformed. We're having a lot of fun with the Pandoras, but we're going to take, uh, we're going to stop this episode right now and we will return next week with more talk with our friends, the Pandoras. Our thanks to Sherry, Melanie, and Karen for joining us. We are having a total blast. Okay, until next week, this is Dave. This is Holly. Check you later. We're now.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.